I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. We are unlocking all of the most effective tools to help athletes achieve their highest goals in sport. Each week, you'll hear elite athletes, experts, sports psychologists, trainers, and coaches share their unique advice, tips, and strategies for success. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest is a national champion, world champion, and an Olympic bronze medalist. She was actually the first American woman to win an all-around world title in gymnastics. Kim Zameskel currently coaches and co-owns Texas Dreams Gymnastics in Koppel, Texas with her husband, Chris Burdett. And I'm going to warn you in advance, I totally geek out in this episode because although I've known Kim for a while, she was a childhood hero of mine. And when I talk to her, all of those memories of watching her come flooding back to me. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, go ahead and rate and review us. It really does help us to continue to bring on these amazing guests and for other athletes out there to find us as well. I believe that there is gold in your future, so let's dive on into this episode. Kim Zemesco, I am so excited to have you on the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Welcome. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I, I have to say I'm kind of geeking out a little bit right now because like we're kind of friends, but we never really knew each other, but we had a mutual friend and like you were yes. kind of one of my heroes growing up. And my mom, I told her, I was like, guess who I'm talking to today? I was like, Kim's a mescal. And she goes, I served on a jury with your her mom one time. Like, we, oh, my gosh. oh, that's so funny. <laughs> we think we're really cool because we know you guys. So oh, stop. On. <laughs> oh, it goes both ways. Like I was so excited. I've told all my girls over Zoom today, like um, how excited I am to talk with you. So great. Oh, you're so sweet. So are you, is that what you guys are doing right now during this whole Corona season? Like, have you guys been doing like daily Zooms or how did you kind of figure that out? What does that look like for you guys? Yes. I mean, while it's, it's not my preferred way, I would have to say it's been really inspiring. And I think that I, I, I really hope that, I mean, we keep saying you're living through history. And sometimes living through history is is not always comfortable, but you, you know what I mean? Like you learn things about yourself. And one of the things that I'm like really seeing is it, it's truly inspiring. I mean, you see all different ages and levels and their true passion towards themselves and what they're doing and ability to still be there for each other, even though it's not in person and accountability with each other. I mean, it's it's really been something else. <laughs> Perfectly uh, said. But they're, but they're, but they're definitely, it, it's crazy. So they're like, gosh, it's, it's hard to imagine that I'd still be able to get like sore and like, feel like I can improve things and even like learn things. So you go like, man, I didn't realize like the technique of that, or we're trying to like go into even like judging symbols and, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. that oh, we go, cool. like, we never would have had time to like learn that scribble and all that. Oh, that's good stuff. awesome. So. <laughs> did you ever, I mean, you've been an athlete, you've been a coach. Mm-hmm. Did you ever judge? Yes, I did. Oh, I, really? I, for, uh, for two quads, actually, I, I judged. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. It was coming from being a gymnast and to coach, like, I mean, before I was a coach, like, it was the most I'd ever felt that same nervousness. Oh, really? Um, just, I think, from knowing from the athlete side, like, how important every 10th is. Right. Like, it made me super paranoid that, like, I was going <laughs> to you know, like misjudge something and you know how hard they work for either, you know, getting it or, you know, making it fair that if you don't take it on one that you actually are, you know, hurting another, like, I was like, geez, this is, it's a lot of pressure. And 
I was really surprised how much I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, how could I have been a part of this sport for so long? And there's so many, <laughs> so much more to it. My gosh. Oh, that's cool. Like, do you think that makes you a better coach now? Like having that side behind you? Well, I, I have to say, um, initially that is what, what, that was my motivation was I knew that I, you know, I was kind of transitioning between being a gymnast into like, what the heck is next? I mean, my husband and I, you know, had just you know, like, we're starting a gym and everything. And that was kind of the thing that I was like, well, I feel like it's a little irresponsible to just teach the skills. Like it's one thing to feel like you have a general understanding of everything mm -hmm. versus, you know, what are the black and white rules that those uh, ladies in blue are taken and yeah. given and stuff like that. So yeah. Wise move. I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to go back to your career as a gymnast first, and then I want to talk about coaching and like all the good things with that too, because oh. um, you just have so many fun things to talk about. But yeah. you became a junior national champion at 13. Like that seems so young, but I know for gymnasts, like they tend to peak at younger ages and have like a shorter career span. Like what was kind of your journey to that level? I mean, and in 90, 1991, you became like the first American ever to win an all around world championship. Like that's so awesome. Like what was that kind of rise for you like? Well, I will say that perspective changes things. Um, now a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, how old I was uh, when I won the world championships feels so young. <laughs> right. Um, but, but you know what I mean? Uh, uh, but at the time, it, it really did just feel kind of one step at a time. Like it didn't feel like thrown into something. Like it really, it, it felt like the next step always, mm -hmm. you know, kind of one year to the next. And um, I didn't start out the most competitive uh, kid on even on my team uh, and everything. Actually, I competed really? at the WAC always. Did you? Woodlands. Oh, yeah. Yes. For those who don't know listening, that's where I grew up diving at the Woodlands Athletic Center. Sweet. It's, yeah, <laughs> so cool. Um, some of my best, like, first gymnastics memories, like, seem are so clear from that building. Oh, that's so cool. Um, anyways, yeah. So, like, it, it, it went from, like, what is this competition thing? Made a million mistakes uh, as young kid that seemed devastating at the time that are hysterical now. Um, like I think <laughs> but it was your whole world then, this. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then it just kind of one, one thing followed the next, the gym that I grew up in was the same gym that Mary Lou Retton was at. So, um, so cool. I was eight years old when she went to Los Angeles and won the Olympic gold medal. So to me as an eight year old, it was very impactful that it just seemed normal. Like, oh, wow. you know, she was a normal person. And so it seemed like if, you know, I keep doing gymnastics here and just kind of keep following the pattern, like that should be a normal thing to be able to strive for. So I, I have to say like that made it a, I, I, when I think back, I'm like, I think that that was probably one of the main things. Uh, my coach's coach, Nadia Komanich, you know, again, like I met her before I knew who she was because mm -hmm. I was born the year she <laughs> won the Olympics. So I remember it being like, what's the big deal? And then having to, you know, kind of learn about it and go like, oh, wow. Okay. That's impressive. Um, so free internet, you know, before yeah. we had YouTube and all this stuff. So it's, like I said, it was, I was thankful that it, all of the competitions that I went into or the skills that I was learning just felt like the piece that I was ready for. So it never really felt thrown into anything. That's so cool. So, so you were already in gymnastics when Mary Lou won, correct? 
Yes. Like you'd already started. Yep. So, yep. so that was just yep. this normal thing. Like, do you think, um, your athletes growing up around you who are an Olympic medalist, like, is that, do you think that makes it kind of normal for them too? And like, they feel like it's more achievable or maybe somebody who's never been around right. that is like, that's right. impossible. I really do think it is. I mean, we talk about it a lot with, um, even just the, the other, you know, the generations that have kind of come through the gym and, you know, being able to have national team members and world team members. And, you know, Reagan Smith was alternate to the team to Rio. Like it's been a kind of a normal thing. And I think that that's been something that's like something that I'm happy that, that the kids um, in my gym have been able to see. And, you know, whether it's me, it always, it always makes me laugh, like, cause I'll have random kids that are like, I went on YouTube and, um, I saw your teams. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, you actually did this. Like, <laughs> Um, and it's, it's funny and they're really grainy videos and right. <laughs> VHS and burning a hole. And like They've got the wavy lines going through the middle, exactly. right? Exactly. Are, are they impressed by you after that? Is that they give, have a whole new um, level of respect? I, I do. It, it has been nice. I, I will say that there is, there is a nice thing about the YouTube. I am, <laughs> I am. It's funny. I, I still have one of my, my memories of when we very first started the gym, you know, so to me, you know, to those kids, I was, you know, just the owner, the young lady that, you know, at the time I was 24 years old running the gym, but I was primarily coaching beam and floor. And it was on one side of uh, the building. And I remember walking through the, like through the gym, like, and went through the, the bar area. Mm-hmm. And I, had given a suggestion to one of the little girls and she put her hands on her hips and she goes, Miss Kim, what do you know about bars? <laughs> and it just, I was like, yep. All right. This is where we're starting from. Like new generation every time. Like, <laughs> Right. A little humbling experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about the 1991 world championships. Cause you were the first one ever to win um, an all around title and the team got a silver and that was a first yes. too, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. So what was that like for you guys? And it was in the oh, U.S. too, correct? It was. It was It was in Indianapolis. Um, and I, I have to say the team competition, I still remember doing an interview right afterwards. And I kind of mistakenly referred to the silver medal as us winning because that's what it felt like at oh. the time. Like it was such a big deal. Like there was, you know, it was such a huge thing to be able to be competitive with the Romanian team who just generation after generation been claiming all of the gold medals and everything like that. And for us to be in a position to be competitive with them was huge. And so to come away with that as a team and have uh, three of my personal teammates at the time uh, were on that team uh, with uh, Betty Okino, Hillary Grivich and Carrie Strug. Like it just was like, so it was very personal mm. too. Like, cause these were girls that I trained with every day too. Um, uh, so for us to come away with that and it be in the U S where obviously the this majority of the audience there, um, it was incredible. So that was before the all around competition. Um, so when I talk about like things like, as far as like what your mindset, as well as even just emotionally where you're at, like how important it is to like be aware of it to be able to, whether we're just going, like you're trying to ride the wave of it, that is a time of my life that I could definitely see that with something happening that was so in our favor, it felt like we were indestructible. Like everything that we did was going to be amazing. Like it's, you know, you could already see it as, you know, gold. Like it was, it was already there in our head from 
the adrenaline and all the excitement of winning that silver medal. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, I love that. So how, how did winning the individual compare to the team or was it just totally different? I would say it was totally different. Um, the one thing I would say like gymnastics is tricky where it is like, it's not a traditional team sport for sure. I mean, because there isn't offense, defense, uh, right. (laughs) Kind of change in plays like that. Um, it truly is like an accumulation of individuals working together and, you know, trying to build each other up. And at the time, I will say that gymnastics was definitely more geared towards individual. We felt it together as a team. Like that was, I think, the the part that I take away from it. Like it wasn't something that was more encouraged, which now like that's one of the one of the things that I probably envy the most about what the current situation has been for the team's with gymnastics is they've had the opportunity to train together as a national team and the bond that they have been able to get. Um, I didn't get to really know Shannon Miller, even though we, you know, she's from Oklahoma. I was from Houston. We were in the same like competitive region. I didn't get to know her until, you know, I was like 20 or 20, I think I was 20 years old really is really when we started to get to know each other when we were on tour, Oh, how <laughs> because funny. although we competed on several teams together, there wasn't that bond mm-hmm. um, that was encouraged because it really was more about individual. And during that time, Shannon and I were very competitive with each other, right? <laughs> um, individually. So, um, yeah, it's just it's so interesting. I, so, I, I do think that going into the all around all around competition, like it was a huge goal, but at the same time, I didn't feel like an expectation from anyone. It just was this is the next meet. Like, and that sounds so silly, like in reality, especially like now as an adult, <laughs> like, wow, like how could I, have, how did I ever go in with that? But, um, there was a great naivety about it, I think, yeah. um, to be able to go into something. Um, I don't know if you've ever, you felt like that in the beginning too. Like it's, it's beautiful, beautiful to be naive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about experience, um, and there's definitely value in that, but with that, it comes, there's, there's also different things. Um, but Going into 1991, I hadn't been in a world championship before. And like I said, coming off of the team competition, it felt so like everything's going great. Why wouldn't this keep going great? <laughs> I've won other meets before. What's the difference? I'll just, you know, maybe I can win this meet. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, that's so funny. I to- and I totally get what you're saying about the kind of naivety, not really knowing what you're up against. And sometimes that's a blessing because you don't recognize <laughs> the pressure or the stress or what's on the line where sometimes yeah. the experience is, yeah, it's a good thing yeah. in some ways. It gives you that wisdom. But in others, you're like, oh, I'm feeling all these things I never felt before. <laughs> yep. I mean, I took seven years out of competitive gymnastics straight up. And I will say it over and over again, because I could not personally get myself over the hump of that. I'm going to be compared with other people. And I don't think I can win. And I think I'm expected to win. Like that's what I was doing when I was younger is win. Um, so like I said, like I look at it, like, you know, when people say, oh, the, you know, the experience, you want to have the veterans and all this. And I'm like, I don't know. I would not, I wouldn't <laughs> underestimate what it is to go into things just with that hunger um, to go for it. There's, like I said, there's definitely beauty in both. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Like what, what timing was this and, and what kind of set that up for you? When I went, um, let's see, when I was in the Olympics, uh, I was 16 years old. It was 
definitely not the norm. What I had seen, um, like I said, like you, looking back through um, Mary Lou Retton's generation, the one that followed um, through the 88 games, um, it was not traditional at that, like in the eras before me to continue with competitive gymnastics. So mm-hmm. again, this was preset. Like, again, I, I, I've, I've heard myself even in interviews and it's like, I, it's, I'm kind of dumbfounded, almost like, how is this ever a thing that I didn't even consider it? Like, I just remember always saying, if I make the Olympic team, great. If not great, like either way, I'm going to, you know, go back and I'm going to figure out, I'm going to be a regular high school student. And so that's what I did. It's like a, a one and like, done kind of thing, right? Like you, okay, you yes, hit your chance but, and then that was it, right? But it was preset. And I guess that's, that's the one thing that like I've, as a coach, I've kind of tried to encourage, like, just always stay open-minded with where you're at. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, have aspirations that you think about, but I would, I really encourage, like, just wait until you walk through it because, um, I ended up coming back to gymnastics, uh, twice. So I would say (laughs) I have experience stopping gymnastics three times. Um, (laughs) so when you think you want to stop and you actually do like, don't stress. Um, but yeah, like it was just, it kind of was the norm, but I was still on the way up. And I guess that was frustrating. Like, like I said, in hindsight, that was like, gosh, I was still learning things, but I personally was not in like mentally in a place that I felt like it was the smart thing to do. My coach is also retired. Mm-hmm. at least, uh, sort of, sort of retired because they ended up coming back too. But, <laughs> um, so I didn't think that it was a possibility. Um, so, so you retired then first right after the 1992 Olympics. Yes. Um, and then I, but I stayed on at the time there was opportunities to do tours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a lot of gymnastics shows. There were some professional competitions with like, uh, like the rock and roll championships where we, you know, got to perform like with, lyrics like music and like with lyrics and um uh, we had celebrity judging and stuff like that so we we did have a lot of opportunities i would say over that next um uh probably i mean really until 2000 but as i started in that process i realized that i still (laughs) still wanted to do gymnastics like Mm and i like i said i'd gone back and tried on a public high school and i'm glad that i did but there was still something in me that wanted to do gymnastics. So, so as soon as I graduated high school, I decided, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I had um, applied to UCLA and Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, so you were going to do and gymnastics in college? No. Oh, that was um, so. Second. I was okay. I was actually what I we were kind of that the first generation that prizes became a thing, right? So I remember, like, we went to we would go to international competitions, and after the event was over we go to like a formal banquet and they would call out on the microphone, like individually one at a time, we would like go up to the prize table. Oh, wow. (laughs) I still remember like lugging around Europe. Um, this huge, it was like, I was there for three competitions and the first one I got a stereo, like a big, like a big (laughs) stereo. Like it was like in three giant boxes, like thinking how, like, like I said, I, how old was I? Goodness. I mean, I must've been like 14 years old thinking like, this was amazing. <laughs> First of all, I had to lug it around Europe. Not so and then amazing. <laughs> I had to get it back home, which I had to pay for. Oh, and then geez. when I got it home, it was different outlet. Like, so my, oh, I just no. remember my dad being like, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Great prize. Thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. So that, that kind of started the professional side of <laughs> our sport. 
So, oh, that's yeah. hilarious. So, did you come back for the 96 trials or what was the timing like? Okay. So, I graduated high school in 94 and had decided to start training again. Like I said, I just, I decided, okay, so I'm going to put like going to college on hold and I'm going to full time train again, do some classes um, locally uh, down in Houston. And June 10th, right after I graduated high school, I tore my ACL. Oh. <laughs> and my very last exhibition, yeah, in uh, Massachusetts. And so that put things on a, on a long, uh, not, so, not so, <laughs> not so straightforward path. Yeah. Um, at the time, that was like a, it was a nine month injury, basically. Um, and like I said, kind of within that, like I didn't want to stop. But I started becoming very doubtful. And that's where like I, I really can empathize like uh with athletes that I coach, like what that is like, that that time away uh from the sport, how how tricky that is to navigate through. Mm -hmm. Um even though a desire in your heart may stay the same, you're still battling things that are going on in your head and what expectation is. And I didn't feel like I had a real outlet to be able to to talk through that. Like for the most part, I feel like I tried to just shove it down, you know, try to look like it was no big deal. But in hindsight, it seems like there was a lot of ways that I like almost sabotaged, like getting back out there. Cause it was like, well, I'm not perfect enough. Like it, th this isn't ready. Uh, okay. Well, I can't even, I can't make that routine or, you know, something like that where I hope that what I've kind of learned through that is to like help people to be able to get that out, that these feelings are real. Like yeah. what you're, what you're concerned about happening, even if it hasn't happened are real, what your expectations for yourself are, if you don't feel like you can achieve them, how difficult it is to make it happen mm -hmm. without working on like, how do you get yourself to believe that you can, what the environment is around you, like I said, just whether to set expectations so you feel like you can achieve them. Even if that doesn't mean, like I said, I, I wish I had had some help in the time of being able to go through it going, don't expect to win and redefine what that means. Like yeah, what um, is success, right? What yeah. is success? I mean, like, I mean, it's, like I said, it, it's crazy to have thought that it's taken me so many years to unravel this stuff, but it's like, I keep having these like epiphanies that have been, they personally have been helpful, like to kind of like sort through times in my career, as well as to, you know, hopefully make the path more achievable for others um, as they're going through it. Um, so definitely the, yeah, feeling like the expectation is, and the only acceptable outcome is what your best has ever been is not necessarily the, the most healthy way to, yeah. <laughs> to go about things. So, and you, you came back after the ACL, didn't you? So I did. Yeah, I, I did, but it was again after a stopping, like, so I, I don't feel like the the environment that I was in was very helpful to uh, get through. I guess the, that place where I was at, and so I called it stops right at it was January of '96, um, and my gosh, it was some kind of torture to <laughs> yeah. watch uh, you know all the '96 stuff happen from the perspective I was in. However, I kn you know knew all these you know, several of the girls personally, um, and just had so much respect for, you know, where they were. Um, so it was such a, it was such a, 
I guess, a trying time for me to like be truly happy for and excited for what was happening for the American team, but also like trying to, you know, sift through like where I was personally. But after that, I had already agreed to again do those the tour afterwards. And I mean, we did 88 cities. Wow. I think it was sweeted like a fall, a spring, and then another um, fall tour. That's a huge tour. Which was amazing. But within that, that was the time um, I ended up moving up to uh, Cincinnati um, because I became good friends during the tour with Amanda Borden. And her coach, Mary Lee Tracy, was kind of the traveling coach on on the tour. And so I decided to give it a try. I moved up there with the intention of just having a buddy to train with in the the break of the tour, got my feet wet with coaching. She actually, when I went up there, so my first like real coaching was with like alongside her, she was head coaching and I got to uh, go to championships of USA and coach standing next to her um, on the floor. And so I kind of, I think it sparked a, a different dream that I didn't realize was there because I still didn't really, I didn't really have any interest in coaching. Um, <laughs> So I started training. <laughs> I went back to full training and then um, made a national team in 1998. And so I competed then. And in the beginning of 99, ruptured my Achilles and said, you know what? I think this was enough. Like, <laughs> I, I think I've gotten, I've gotten enough experiences and I like this coaching gig. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> kind of started down that path. How do you kind of look back at your career? Because I, I feel like we kind of have a somewhat relatable ending. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily injured, but I, I kind of didn't end well at my third Olympics. Like I won my first one then went to two more Olympic yes. games and didn't, you know, and it, it took me a while to kind of reconcile with that. And I, I'm just kind of curious, like how you reconciled your career. Cause I know it didn't end obviously the way you wanted it. To. Right. You know what I, I think I struggle the most with is like how to explain it to not have it seem like just something that is comfortable to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it, it sounds almost like an excuse or, or something like, oh, well, I'm sure you say that to make yourself feel better, like that type of thing. Like, right. because I, I mean it with all I am. I'm so grateful for the successes and the medals, the experiences of what that is. So, that chapter, like, kind of that everything seemingly going well. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like being able to win titles and, you know, be a part of teams that, you know, won medals and stuff like that. That feels like the first chapter that really kind of ignited this fire of competitiveness and understanding, like, kind of like the discipline of it, learned a lot of skills, uh, was in a lot of like pressure um, and trying to figure out, you know, like, I actually really like this, like what this feels like, this is joy to me, even though it probably looks like it's not. But it really wasn't until like being able to go through. And again, I can say during the process of it, it did not feel always very comfortable. Actually, it felt very uncomfortable. A lot of it felt very painful. But I think in unraveling it, it's not the outcomes that I feel like what I've learned from. It's can we help to reframe these these things Mm -hmm. and really define what success is? Now, I remember saying something to my brother about this and then he was like, wait, like, do you mean like you're like you're not going to coach to like <laughs> try to like get high scores and <laughs> win? And like and I was like, no, no, no. I go, I don't think they have to be that they're mutually exclusive. Like, I don't think it's 
everything, work hard, you know, kill yourself, every, you know, put everything in, win medals. Um, or we're just here to have fun. Like, I was like, it's not that black and white, but I think it's, you know, like if we know what we're like, what we're setting out to do. And I think those of us who have also been through competitive experiences where maybe we did win something, but we weren't pleased with like, whether it was the preparation or was, you know, wasn't pleased with, you know, how we went about it, like that, that also is not as fulfilling as going about something. And I can say that I was in the best place emotionally and just like, totally, like, I felt like I was walking around going like, can everybody see how much I love this (laughs) in 98 when I, I can't even remember, I think I was either 10th or 11th and all around at championships. Whereas, you know, the, the last one I'd been to seven years later, I was the national champion that it wasn't really until hindsight that I, that I recognized that because there was still a part of me that like walked away going, should I feel disappointed? Like, are people like, feel like, why is she still doing this? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm so happy that like, that's one of the very positives that I think that we're starting to see is people starting to recognize like what you put in what do you want to try to get out of something? Um, who do you see yourself becoming in the process of it? Define before you go into something, what is going to make you happy with it? And that doesn't have, you know, always to do with what, you know, what the number grade is or what the, what the metal stand is, although it's not bad. Again, I, I, I definitely don't look at it and say that it's one or the other. I mean, we definitely still I st- definitely still go about it as like, it's still the goal, man. I think, I think a 10 is possible. Like, let's go for it. Like try to save all those dimes and, you know, <laughs> don't get no deductions. And then, you know, try for that one other, you know, that little, that extra ad- addition stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think it's, uh, yeah, I love what you're saying here. And um, it just rings true in my life too. And I think it's important to set those goals and and dream big and go after those things. Because if you don't, I mean, you're never going to get that far. You know what I mean? You're going to assure Absolutely. yourself that you never get that far. But you've got to also understand at the end of the day that like, while the goal is great, like I've stood on top of the podium. It's on every podium, every world title, I've stood on top and it lasts for about a half a second and then it's over and people forget yeah. about you and that's it. And what you take away with you is not that 15 seconds on the podium. It's that journey and what you went through to get there because that actually shapes who you are. Standing on the podium for 15 seconds does not shape who you are, what your character's like. It doesn't take away your problems. You know, that's not going to make you, you. And for me, I had to kind of rectify like, what was my goal going into that final Olympics? Like, what was I trying to do at that end of my career? And, And my whole goal had been to up the ante and like see how far I could push myself. I wanted to know how good of an athlete I could be. Like I wanted to find what my best ability was, do the hardest dives for the highest scores. And I mean, I pushed the limits. I was doing dives. A lot of the guys weren't doing at the end and none of the girls were doing. And I I hit my peak at the trials. You know, it was like in the semifinals mm-hmm. of the trials, I went a score that like, it was one of my dream scores. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't awesome. do it at the Olympics when it counted, but like I could at least look back and recognize that I did hit that goal. And it's, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, some people may say, oh, you're just doing that to appease yourself. Well, hey, at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable <laughs> with your life and you, you have got to find a way to rectify your past and make sure that you're comfortable with what happened or, you know, fix it in the future if you're still going or whatever it is. Like, you've got to be comfortable with that and, um, and, and look for those positive things because that's what you really take with you. Are you going to be bitter your whole life or are you going to find those good gems and those things that you can learn from and become a better person, right? Yeah. 
Yep, yeah, absolutely. But it also doesn't mean and at the end of the day that you can go for those things and it not working out and there, you know, there being mistakes that happen that being disappointed isn't isn't real and fine and good. Like yeah, it's <laughs> like a real feeling. That yeah. It's, that it's okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. going for those those things that it's okay also to, you know, to say, okay, I, I did succeed in this and you find the positive in that. However, it still stings. Yeah. You know, like I wanted that. I mean, I, it's so interesting you say that. Cause I was like my favorite, like individual routine that I ever competed was floor at Olympic trials. Like I was able to do passes that were goal passes for me. Um, I, you know, it was last event it felt like, I was trying to like make a statement there at the very end. Um, you know, so excited with, you know, what's to come over the summer and it didn't happen when I got to Barcelona, but when I look back on it, like it's such a small, like in the shadow piece, I think in, you know, like public. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there weren't medals, like we didn't even get, you know, there weren't individual medals at, um, Olympic trials like that. Um, but I still look back on it personally and there's so much connection to that because of what we like what we know going in was was the goal and took so much work to get it exactly and I think that's the hard part in in sports that are especially on a big stage like that because because the public has their own opinion and they have no idea what goes on in the back or what your feelings your mindset are and and yeah it hurts and especially when people keep bringing it up it doesn't feel (laughs) great and it's it's okay like you said to feel the feelings it's okay to be disappointed it's okay to grieve a broken or lost dream but you can't stay there like you've got to be yeah. able to move on with your life too. And like, yeah, that sucks. And that hurts. And like, you know, it hurts losing people in your life too, but you can't just stop living because of that. And I think that's where so many people yes. when like Olympic dreams or things like that don't happen the way they want, they grow in just bitterness for the rest of their life. And that's not healthy either. Right. Right. For sure. No, I agree. Well, what? Okay. So you made this amazing transition into coach where you got, I love this. You got developmental coach of the year as well as coach of the year in 2017. Like that's, so awesome. How, how did the whole coaching part develop? Well, I guess I, I kind of started in the, uh, earlier. Uh, I, I cannot say that growing up, I had any aspirations to be a coach. Um, it, it really kind of happened with that. I, you know, like I moved up to Ohio to the plan was to be there for six months and ended up being there for three years, but I got a taste of what it was like to start coaching and. I didn't not like it. Um, it seemed very interesting. My future husband um, at the time also moved up to um, Ohio and his dream, his goal was at the time to you know start a gym. He wanted to uh, move back to Texas and to you know start a gym. And it, the, the idea kind of wore on me. I was like, I, I think this is I think I can support that, but it was definitely his thing in the very beginning. And you know, I always tell him, I go, dude, like it was you in the beginning. And I know that I've kind of overwhelmingly like, <laughs> like <laughs> eaten up this whole thing. Um, I think part of it was like, I went into coaching thinking that coaching was about me telling, like being able to tell people all the things that I know about X skill, Y skill. And I think what has been the refreshing part is realizing, and it's, it's really taken a long time. And I've, you know, I've tried to thank as many of the girls that I've coached along the way, like to like, I I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to realize like really what the role is. Um, and the, and I say like, 
it's funny because I had a, you know, my coach was the jump up and down and like people knew who, <laughs> you know, who they were. Like they were definitely a part of the program. And I kind of say it kind of jokingly, but kind of not that I go, I, I feel like the true role of the coach right now is can you try to give enough tools that when you are, you know, you go to the competition, when I go to the competition, that the goal would be that I'm going to blend into the background. Like I'm going to wear black and blend into the curtains. And just when you need me, you know, that I'm over there to give you the thumbs up that you have the tools to do this Mm. versus feeling like I was kind of always felt like I was on the spot to like, make sure you can always call out the right correction and uh, give the, you know, hardest assignment, like who's going to, you know, feel like they walk away from this and go like, dang, it was, you know, such hard training instead of, okay, how do we help to number one, be smart with training, not just train harder than anyone and, you know, to give them the tools. And that has been, that has been ultimately so interesting to me. I'm still crazy about teaching a cartwheel, which like (laughs) I still will get all sweaty. Like it's, it's, it kind of, it's a little... (laughs) It's a little silly, um, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, so I, I love what the sport is, but I cannot say how fulfilling it is to be able to watch someone go out on the floor and that they, they own who they are. The goal is that you're not, you know, as a coach, I'm not trying to recreate the gymnast that I was. It's, you know, how do you find what is unique about this person? You know, whether it's, you know, what the skill choices that you, you know, you choose for them or the music or the leotard, like how can you help them become their best version of themselves? And I, I, it is crazy fulfilling when we go about it that way. I love that. You said, it reminds me of my longtime coach, Kenny Armstrong. He's very much mm-hmm. like that. He's mm-hmm. like, I'll give you all the tools. I'll do all those things. I can hold your hand all the way up to the top, but like you have to stand there alone and do it whether I'm there or not. Like I want to equip you to be able to do that without me even being there. And so I love that. That kind of reminds me of what you were saying. Um, Love that so much. Well, is, is it kind of, I guess, hard sometimes when you're coaching your athlete to not like kind of place the feelings that you felt maybe at the point that they're at, you know what I mean? Like you're imagining mm-hmm. they're probably feeling a certain way when they might, because they're a different person might be totally yeah. different. Like, is that hard? Yeah. You know, it, it is hard, but I, and that's kind of where I was saying, like, it's, I've realized that that is just as much as the teaching of the skills is trying to learn the person. And they're even just the little, like little facial expression differences or, you know, kind of what their, <laughs> what their body language is mm-hmm. like to try to, try to recognize what that person needs and to try to make changes. Like like I said, and this has all been kind of like, it's been a learning process because I would 100% say in the beginning, my, I felt like my job was to duplicate this for you. You know what I mean? Like I felt like this. So therefore, I mean, I still remember because I always like to move around a lot. Like, and I still actually, (laughs) it's funny. I, Reagan Smith actually had said it in an interview. So just on a side, like, oh, like, you know that you do this. And I was like, oh God, I do. And that she was (laughs) saying like, well, Kim's always pacing, but I, Kim's always pacing, but I know she's really confident in what I'm doing. I was like, oh God, like, am I really doing that? Like, shoot. Like, so now I'm like trying my best to like stay still. But as a gymnast on the floor, I felt like I always wanted to be moving. Mm. Like when I was in a meet, like I wasn't, I, I wasn't that like <laughs> come to breath. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just was like, you know, stay with the, stay with the energy of the moment um, right. and recognizing that that's not everybody. 
was hard for me. Like I said, cause I, like I was looking at it going like, you must feel like this. Like, don't you, they probably feel cold. <laughs> you need to keep moving. Okay. They probably feel this. They need to keep this. Like, instead of just trying to recognize, right. Okay. They feel, she looks calm and confident. I need to just help her stay there, right? <laughs> well, it's funny you say you always want to keep moving because like me as a little gymnast, like watching you like on TV, you always had this zemeskal stare. You know, you had these beautiful blue eyes and you'd always be like zoned out on something when they like close in on your like, oh my face, gosh. you know? And I'm like, whoa, that's like the zemeskal stare, you know? So to me, you always seem so still. <laughs> so that's funny to hear like the truth. Well, I, I, well, okay, here's my deal. My legs don't stop moving. Like that's the deal. Like that's what I say. Like I still find myself doing that. Like, so from the top, like trying to like focus and breathe, uh, but I while have your to legs keep are moving, moving, my legs, like but there's like, they're going back and forth under me, like running. That's so funny. I love it. I'm hearing the true side, not just what I see on TV. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, what, okay. I have to ask you. So what are some of the things that you do that are maybe the same as what your coaches did? And then what are some of the things that you do totally different from your coaches growing up? I would say the same would be discipline training. I still remember um, actually Miss Val from uh, UCLA coming in and she was like, it would be impossible for an environment that's in a club environment with young athletes for it to be, you know, kind of the environment of what we see at NCAA gymnastics where there's a much more relaxed, like, noisy, um, you know, almost like not a party atmosphere, but you know, it's something that's more energetic in that way, Mm -hmm. because we're trying to teach young people things that are very complicated at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like trying to understand, like, I mean, we go through a phase like of even having them identify what is their, like, what are their core abdominal muscles Mm -hmm. versus what is breathing? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like that it's hard for them to, you know, find the difference of like, oh, well, when I breathe in or when I breathe out, when I hold my breath, I'm, my stomach is tight. Like, no, that, you know, <laughs> like, that's not the same. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, like we're kind of piecing through so many things that it, it stays through a structure. That part, of, I definitely think I have, I have definitely stayed, uh, stayed strong to preparation, being prepared before we leave. I remember it as an athlete before we would leave the gym. And I, you know, it's something that I still do with, with my teams when I'm leaving that will kind of take an assessment right there. Like before we leave, like, are you proud of what you've put in? Because if you are like like you have, like you've accomplished this, I'll take it one step further. And like, now I kind of go to the, so just remember, this is going to be one turn. Like you're going to get one shot. There's no, there's no uh, redos but your judgment on uh, yourself and, you know, how this weekend goes, let's take it based on how you feel right now. And I do believe that that's been something that was, that was taught to me that when I would go to a competition, it did for the most part, feel like taking just another turn that it wasn't like fingers crossed. I hope this one is, (laughs) I hope this one's great. Right. Um, That it was, this is just going to be another one. And if it's not ready, if it's not ready before we walk out of that gym, to leave for the competition, that it shouldn't be in there. We're not going to take take chances. And, That's a smart mind. Roll the dice. Yeah, roll the dice. So I have stayed very true to that. <laughs> Something that I think that is different is trying to address the things not being perfect, like how you feel, like letting it be okay. 
Um, and this is something that like, this has even been something that I'm, that's still been <laughs> reasonably even new for me is instead of feeling like kind of a suck it up type thing to try to let it out so that we can address it as real. Like whether it's, I'm afraid of this happening or I'm, I don't feel well, or I don't understand that skill or I'm, you know what I mean? Like kind of was, like I was saying that seven year gap, I feel like for me, a lot of it came from part of me just feels like I could have just talked it through to go like, so what would be the worst thing that happens? Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think bringing them out as real helps to solve them as a team versus it feeling like you shouldn't feel this way. Let's hold it together and, you know, be confident, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. cover, cover it in like a fake confidence, which sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I'd say that that's, that's probably something, um, I do try to like teach a lot of like the whys. Um, like why we do, why we do something Ah. versus just do because, um, because I know, (laughs) right. Um, because I said so. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I I think as a gymnast too, like I was very strong headed and if I couldn't figure out what the why was, it was really hard for me to get behind it. And I do think that that has been helpful for the girls to, you know, recognize, okay, this is what the plus is to do it. and if it's not, then, you know, to help, you know, take ownership. And I do always try to keep the, that athlete perspective. And I, it's, it's hard, like, because there's a part that, you know, as a coach, you feel like a responsibility for the accountability, but it's when the, that part goes over the, like, watch where the person is at, that I think problems start happening. What do you, what do you mean by that? Instead of like, this was, this was what the assignment is. It's black and white you stay to it no matter what. Like, I think there's times when you go, like, I want to be, I want to be the one to help you with accountability because you've given me, you've, you walked in and you handed me that card that you say like, please help me to get through that last pass. Because when I get there, if I was in, I was, you know, just imaginary, if I was in here by myself, I would, there'd be a big urge to make it easier or, you know what I mean? Not push to the end. Like I want somebody to help me push that little piece past but there's a line on where that's at. And that's why I said like that gets, that's the tricky part of a coach um, to feel like if you feel accountable to like get somebody to a certain level, that's one thing, but still always remembering the, like that we have to watch like where the person actually is at mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> versus what they, you know, you know, they want it or they've told you they want it. And you know what I mean? And that feeling of like, well, then I have, to, I have to get them there how do I help convince them that they have the tools to do it is really more what it is. Gotcha. That makes sense. Thanks for breaking and that down. Today, <laughs> and today, sometimes it, maybe today's not the day, right? right? And trying to f- figure that out um, and realize when it, when it is important to do it and when it's not. Mm, I like that. So what, what qualities do you think are most important for a coach? I mean, I'm sure we've talked about a lot of them already, oh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to give it a, a right. I hate the, those most in the favorite and like, I stress that about those. Cause I feel like it's a right and wrong answer. There, there's not, it's your opinion. No. It's okay. No. I'm not judging you on this. No, I, right, I do not I have, back. I don't have my official accreditation. So you are safe oh here. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'd say probably to be approachable. I'm learning for the whole, for the whole picture. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest pieces, like I said, because you're, you're trying to help hold that accountability card for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, like, 
I feel responsible for your hindsight. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, you don't know how you're going to feel in the future. I feel like I know, but at the end of the day, recognizing that this is not my gymnastics career. Mm-hmm. Like this is this person. It's a human being that in 20 years from now is still going to be looking back on like how this moment went for them. Uh, so I, I think having a recognition of that is huge. Being able to to show that as coaches that we are learning as well through every exchange that we have uh, with our athletes, I think is very big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting because I just within the last probably year, two years, like we would, you know, the gymnasts typically will like have like a formal lineup at the end of a practice and coach says goodbye. And the gymnast would come up and say, thank you. And I would, you know, I'd say, you're welcome or, you know, have a good day. It was like such a crazy thing for me to, again, go like, how did you never think to say thank you back to them? Like, <laughs> it was just, you know, just like some of those things, like, I think like I'm recognizing, just make you realize that you're a part of a team with that person. Like yeah. a true team is both having, you know, both are getting something from it. Both are contributing something from that, um, that it's not a one-way street. I don't know. It's like I said, I mean, it's, I think it's hard growing up in, you know, the eighties and you, you know, you watch movies like Rocky and, you know, stuff like that. Like, like, this is how it goes. Like you push and you do it the hardest and you, you know, stuff like that. Um, And you take a beating. (laughs) Yeah. But like you, but you, I I think recognizing that there's, I feel that it's, it is more of a give and take than what I've ever thought this to be, I guess. And I think to be a good coach, to be a good human in, you know, your athletes' lives um, is is having that recognition that that this is a this is both ways. We're all learning through this. You know, it's okay on both sides for us to like, oh, I like I wish I would have done this like this. I wish I would have done this like this. Okay, good. And let's try to keep moving forward. Staying on the same page of goals are common and not one sided. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's there's a I lot. Think those are, I think those are great. And I, I love the like I'm still learning part. And I think that's important because nobody has all the answers. And no matter how good you think you are, you're never going to have all the answers. And if you think you do, you are going to miss out on something big. And I think if any coaches are listening, this is a really important thing. And maybe there needs to be a little humility on your side thinking if yes. you if you think you have all the answers to realize that you still have a lot to learn. Um, because you can always be learning more from other people that you can also teach your athletes and students and that they're going to see all these things in you. And if you are open and responsive to learning, they're also going to be more open and responsive to you and communicate with you better as well. Right. I think I was very afraid of this in the beginning because it showed, I felt like it showed some kind of weakness and like, it actually feels like the opposite of that. Like I've noticed more of a response the other way of like them going like, ah, it's good to know. Like, I don't want it to look like I don't know how to handle a situation or handle a, you know what I mean? Something like that. But to ask for their input is not giving them all the, you know, it's not free reign. It's not, it really isn't because they still look to like their coaches or, I mean, the athletes still look to someone, look to groups of people like for helping give direction on, like, I want to go here. Like I was, you know, I give this analogy a lot that I was like, listen, you guys are like, you take it like you are name anywhere, like name somewhere you want to go. You're 14 years old. You want to go to, let's say you want to go, I'm going to say Disneyland. They probably want to go somewhere else. It's probably a bad, bad example of what that is there, but you don't know how to get there. Can you drive? No. So you're going to either have to 
be patient and wait it out until you're old enough to do it, or you're going to have to figure out another way. Like, so you're going to have to, like, you're going to go to people along the way that's and say like, Hey, now I'm 16. How do I drive? And so you're going to have somebody help you, but ultimately you have to learn it. And then you get in that car and then you don't know where to go. You have to, you know, go to someone else and see if they can help you how to go. And like, you know, I mean, stuff like this, like we are those people along the way. We are not, I think the misrepresentation of like what had, what, and I, this is what I felt like as a 20, 20 something year old, that I felt like it was my job to drive the van. Right. <laughs> like, I've got to load up as many kids in this van as I can, and I'm going to drive them there. Right. And they're going to do all the things that I tell them to do as I'm driving it, driving, I'm going to, I have to do it the whole way and realize it's actually opposite. Yeah. And I think, I think it gives the kids, the athletes also the responsibility to ask for help or to reach out and take part of that. Like, and they have to take some ownership in doing that. And I think that's really healthy for them also. Well, I do have to ask you in this kind of like Larry Nasser era, what advice would you give for like parents, coaches, athletes on how to like recognize any, you know, possible abuse type situations, maybe how to ask for help? Like what should they do? Can you give us some advice on that? I will tell you that like, I'm like, I'm still personally kind of trying to make sense of a lot of this stuff. Like that's just being my as open book as I can honest um, about this. Like, uh, I was one of the people who knew this person and like, I felt like I would have given him my children to like go to the house. And like, it's terrifying when I think of things like this. Um, but it definitely has put a different perspective. You know, I was with athletes, uh, that I felt like I was being everything I needed for them, but to just keep encouraging openness. I don't think it can be stated strongly enough openly enough, uh, repetitive enough. I've, you know, been mentioning to the athletes like that I've, you know, in the last, during this last quad in particular, you're going to get tired of me saying this, but every time that we go places, like it's going to, are you comfortable with this? Please make sure that if you're not like, does it need to be coming to me? Please make sure that your parents know, like tell this person, tell this person and just like kind of over the top, I guess, um, making things that seem maybe obvious like keeping it an open dialogue is one of the main things that I've tried to realize from this, you know, things that we would hope that like, gosh, if something didn't feel right, did we have an environment and did, you know, did they, do they feel like they're doing something wrong to be able to speak up? It doesn't matter what the scenario is, that if it's something that makes somebody uncomfortable to be able to address it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think for for parents and coaches, definitely try to relay to your athlete or your child that like they can tell you when something feels weird. Like it's okay to come to you. That's actually the right thing to do. And you know, athletes, like if if something does not feel right, do not be embarrassed. Like go to someone you trust. Go to your parent. Go to your coach and tell them what's happening because no one else can speak for you because no one else knows. It's okay to feel not right about something and don't, don't be embarrassed about that. Like this is for your own safety. Like we want, people want to protect you, but they don't know unless you speak up. So we want to, yeah, just encourage you if anything like that is happening, or even if you just feel awkward about something, tell someone you can trust and they'll help you get through that. Yes. For sure. And being, and on the other side, like that we all have a responsibility as well to, like I said, I mean, in, in hindsight, the, the, crazy part about a lot of this stuff that makes it feel very real is 
the realization that I'm sure I put on, especially with this person that like, that I, I had no reason to not trust this person. So I hope that I also was open enough that even though you always hear somebody say some, say good things about this person, <laughs> like right. that, you know what I mean? It's almost like, well, I'm not going to tell so-and-so's friend this because I know that they're friends with this person or like, you know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that. Like, I think that that puts in a whole another layer of this being very tricky. And that's why I was saying like, to not feel responsible to tell a specific person, but to find someone that they feel comfortable with, but also for all of us to be able to, you know, kind of take an inner reflection on like, am I, am I approachable with this? Like, do I, do I truly hear somebody when they speak? Um, I will tell you that that's been something that, and I, I feel hypocritical saying that because like, that's something that's been a really, you know, a big eye opener for me to try to keep reflecting on that. Like, am I, do people feel like I hear them? Mm -hmm. If they don't feel like I hear them, that's on me. Mm -hmm. Even if I, you know, wasn't, didn't feel directly a part of something. Right. Got to create that atmosphere. I like that. Yeah. Well, Kim, these are such wise words. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, your experience. Um, so for being so open about, about some things that I know aren't easy always to talk about. You are a gem. You've always been a hero to me. Oh, so I just, I'm really happy to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. We are, we are all evolving humans. And I think if we can be there for each other and own things that we can do better and be there to inspire people, I just, I can't imagine the world that we can continue to create together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests. And it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.